one big push that I want to make, and that is for um, this retreat that a bunch of our ladies are going to in a couple of weeks. Um, right now, there's a, I think there's right at 30 ladies that are uh, committed and are, and are going, um, and so there's a few more spots. I think I heard that we break even at 33, so we need three more of you ladies. Actually, we'd love, man, about 20 more of you ladies uh, to jump to jump in. It's going to be tremendous. Um, uh, a good friend of mine, my mentor, um, Ray Ortland, is uh, um, his wife, Janie, is the one that's going to be doing the teaching, and it's going to be phenomenal. And so uh, even, if, even if you don't know us, even if this is your first time in with us, um, come. It's, it's, it's a very invitational thing. We'd love for you to, to do that and to go and be with uh, some other ladies, and it's just going to be all about Jesus. Um, and as we get rolling today, I just, I just want to know, I, all I've got for you is Jesus, you know? I, it's, I, I can't bring you anything personally, honestly. Um, I, don't have, I don't have the charisma to try to, to try to manipulate your hearts and to make you love God more. I can't do that. It's only God that can do that. And so join me that even during this time, the, the, the preaching time is a worship time as well, that we say this is the story of God. This is the story of man, and this is how God loves the story of man so much that he came. And so that's what we're going to be doing during this time. Um, we're right in the middle of, of, a, uh, of a series this month um, that we call Metaphors. And as this is our, our first few weeks uh, in the bank building, in the historic First National Bank building, um, we were analyzing, looking at different things about Jesus and, and connecting points uh, to this space and even to downtown. And last week, uh, we talked about rock because this, uh, this, this is on a huge limestone uh, rock, this, this building is. And we talked about how Jesus is our rock. Today, we're going to talk about water. Um, next week, we're going to talk about bank and treasure and storehouse and, and how those things relate to Jesus. And those three weeks are all specific in talking and understanding more about who Jesus is. Um, the last week, though, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about, um, uh, what is it? We're going to talk about city. Uh, this is the downtown area. We're going to talk about city of God. And we're going to talk about how God loves cities. And even in, in church history, how God has used cities to, to just be a springboard uh, to go to go around. So every week I've been, I'm going to be giving you a little bit more of uh, some historical data about this building and about uh, the origination of our city um, and uh, some of the great things that took place as well as uh, some, of the, some of the tough things that happened. This week is going to be the smallest amount of that. Um, and let me give you a little bit uh, about, about uh, the big springs and, and some of the the water history about uh, our, our city. Um, John Ditto was a guy that in 1802 um, came down and camped near downtown Huntsville. He was a Virginian. Anybody in here a Virginian? Are you still live in Virginia? Okay, very good. Um, the next day he settled on the banks of the, anybody know what the Tennessee used to be known as? The Hogi, the, Hog, the Hogohigi. Somebody say, say Hogohigi. How many, that's the first time you ever heard the Tennessee River is the Hogohigi. Yep, that's right. It was known as the Hogohigi River. He befriended the Indians. He established a trading post and eventually ended up building a ferry um, right where Ditto land, Ditto's Landing is uh, right now. Um, 
And of course, the big spring uh, that came out of here, they built a canal, and this was one of the places where they, they, brought, uh, they brought flat boats full of cotton back and forth, um, uh, and it just was very important. Um, uh, I don't have any pictures for you today, but we'll show you in the future uh, one of my favorite shots of some old black and whites uh, from back in the uh, probably the early 19th century, uh, excuse me, the early 20th century, um, are some uh, pictures of the Big Spring and all of these baptisms uh, that took place. So these new Christians, and there were, I mean, there's probably 50 people that were being baptized, and so you've got probably hundreds of people that are gathered around. And what's neat is, is, is it was churches, uh, not just one church, but people gathered together. And it's like, let's, let's baptize in the spring. And uh, one of my prayers, one of our prayers is, is those waters are going to stir again. That as we press forward and as God takes people from being people that love themselves to be people that love Jesus, people who are committed to their own agenda, being committed to the vision of God, and they become followers of Jesus Christ, worshipers of Jesus Christ, we baptize them right down there. And so, who knows? I mean, there may be somebody here today that um, you've, uh, you've never been baptized, uh, or there could be somebody in here that uh, you've, you, you end up getting saved today, that, man, today's the day that tipping point takes place, God gives you a new heart, and you respond in faith uh, to Him. And uh, if anybody, if that happens to anybody, I tell you what, I don't even have any a change of clothes. We will baptize you today in the spring. I think that would be phenomenal. So just let me know if that takes place. We expect somebody to come to Christ every week, and so we ask for that. Um, so we're talking about water as a metaphor, and this is all over the Bible. Rivers, streams, um, uh, fountains. And uh, we want to look at, at some of the things uh, that the Bible describes uh, as water and, and eventually get to Jesus. Can you guys think of the, the thirstiest that you've ever been? What was, what was the scenario? Can you think about it? Where was it? What was going on? Why were you so thirsty? Um, one of the thirstiest times I've, I've ever been was in Virginia uh, when I ran the Virginia 10-miler. Um, and uh, they, they had water scattered out and about uh, as a good organized race is. However, I just wasn't in the shape that I should have been. I got really thirsty. But that wasn't the thirstiest I've ever been. The thirstiest I've ever been was when I wrestled in middle school. Anybody in here, did you ever wrestle? Or any uh, MMA people that you've done grappling or jiu-jitsu, things like that? Um, there is nothing that's given me um, cotton mouth like wrestling, like wrestling did. Um, what happens is you put all of your energy into trying to defeat your opponent. And, and so, I mean, you're using just about every muscle when you, when you start grappling with somebody. How many of you, you never wrestled, but you had a, maybe a sister or a brother growing up and, and, and you, you wrestled? Anybody? All right, you know, you know how it is. And, uh, and actually, I got three sons, and, and they're, uh, they're getting stronger and stronger. So it's, they're uh, making their way up. They hadn't pinned their old man yet. I know the time's going to come. But... When you're wrestling, you're, you get in close and you, you try to distract them and, and you're rocking back and forth and you, you'll put your head in close and you try to mash it up against their ear so it hurts, you know, uh, even if they've got those big old, big old cups on their head. You try to do as much as you can and you try to distract them so you can, you can jump down, do a single leg or double leg takedown and boom, you got them uh, at that point. And then at that point, then the grappling starts and you try to get to a more powerful point uh, in amount, 
and then eventually get to where you pin them. I was not the greatest wrestler in the world. I had probably about a 50-50 record, and it just stinks when you're the one that gets pinned. But no matter what, you give it your all. You have an opponent that they're after you, and they want to pin you. And so it is with life. You have an enemy that is putting serious energy into your defeats, into putting you down. And the thing is that there's some days that, that you're pinned and you don't even put up much of a fight and you don't even end up that thirsty. Think about that. In the middle of battle, in the middle of, of wrestling with an enemy, there are times in our lives, there's seasons in our lives that we just don't even fight well and we're just pinned. Some days you lose because you give in to your old heart and your mind and other days your enemy is defeated as you actually crucify your own flesh. And in doing that, you get very, very thirsty when you engage in the wrestling match of life, uh, of an enemy that's against you. And you get very thirsty. And I'd say when that time comes, you drink and drink up. It's good to be thirsty. When you're thirsty, you need to drink deeply of the waters of Jesus Christ. In fact, I just... Close your eyes for just a second, if you would, and, and just, you know, out loud, if, if you desire, just say, Jesus, we desire to drink deeply of you today. Mm. Yes, Lord, help us. So what does the Bible say about water and springs and fountains? Let's go. Here's some things that are described as a fountain of life. Proverbs 10:11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 13, 14 says, The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 16, 22 says, Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. And so, starting here, there's some descriptions saying, okay, there's some things out there that can become a fountain of life to others. And a lot of it has to do with truth. A lot of it has to do with the way that you say things. It's a truth that is shared. But if you reverse engineer this, there's times in which truth is not shared. Truth is not spoken. There's times in which we bail out. There's times in which we don't engage in saying, you know what, no self or no honey or, 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 or brother or sister or friend. No, that's, that's, un, that's unhealthy or that's destructive in your life. Um, and we don't step up to the plate. We back off. Sometimes we, uh, we just put on the mask. We talked about this yesterday in some leadership training that we did here today with a bunch of our disciple makers. Um, is we talked about how um, we, we, just, we just don't, we don't engage. We, we pull back and, and uh, somebody says, you know, you know, how you doing, Dave? I'm fine. How you doing? Fine. It's like, okay, have a great day. And it's like, one of us is not fine. I mean, we, we swing many times from places of fasting to feasting, from celebration to grief, and we have the ugly mundane, and even in there, we're usually not fine. And, and we, we've got to take the mask off and say, you know what, hey, let me, let me set this down. And, and since you asked, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to go ahead and tell you where I'm at because you care. 
and we engage. And it takes, it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to, to step up and, and to confront or to rebuke or, or to challenge, um, to, to be able to say to a friend or, or, or to receive it when somebody comes to you and just says, you know what, Dave, man, when you're preaching last week, there was this one part in there that was just, it was just arrogant. You know, and to, to be able to have the courage to say that or the, and, and to have the, the humility maybe to, to receive it when somebody, they get close, they get into that, kind, that space. Uh, I mean, how many of y'all, you've been overseas and to a different culture and, uh, and, and their, you know, their private space is not like Americans' private space. And, they're, and they're, you're standing right here and they, they come and they talk to you right here. And you know exactly what they had for lunch and breakfast because they're in your space. Well, that's what it means to be a Christian. It means that we, we get uncomfortable in our relationships and, and we speak truth. At the very least, when we're concerned about something, we're able, we're, we take the risk to be able to say, you know what, I don't know if, if I'm right in, in, in what I'm seeing here, but this is what I, I perceive. You know, help me out. And you take that risk. Where are you in, in telling truth and, and, um, and speaking? Because God says, God says that you're a fountain of life when you speak truth, even when it hurts. Scripture says wounds from a friend can be trusted. That even when you press in and it's difficult to them to, them to hear, difficult for you to say, those wounds can be can be appreciated and they can be trusted. Proverbs 14.27 talks about fountain of life. It's a little bit different. It says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear of God, this means, this means reverence and awe. This doesn't mean that you cower in a way that you feel that God is about to, to, to smite you, you know? He's about to hit you. It's saying you reverence Him. You, you have awe. Last week we talked about God as being our rock, as being our security, about being the place in, in the crag, in, in the split of the rock that keeps us safe, that He's the one we go to. It doesn't mean bad things don't happen, but it means He is our safety. Even when we're not safe, He is our safety. Whatever it is that you, that you go to, that you run to for safety, that's what you fear, that's what you reverence, that's what you awe. Where is it that you go? Where is it that you go for hope? Where is it that you go for, for pleasure? Where is it that you, you go for peace? Where is it that you go to be numbed? Where is it that you go to escape? Those, if God is not at the forefront of all of those, then what, what you do is you've got, you have an idol in your life. And it's, it's pointing to an, an an area where there's probably a root in your life that, that God wants to uproot. He, does, he loves you too much to allow you just to keep going to a, a bad rock. and He wants you to fear Him and to, to revere Him. But now let's contrast things. Talk about bad image of fountains and water. Proverbs 25, 26 says, Like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. Okay, so this is talking about someone who's a follower of God. So we would use the term Christian in there, a Christ follower. It's saying, all right, when we talk about clean springs and people can go to for life, even though you're a Christian, sometimes you become a muddied spring, a polluted fountain. What, when? When you give way before the wicked. What's this mean? It means you compromise. It means you give in. 
It means as a man, a woman, or a student, when you don't stand your ground. That's the gospel ground, that is. I'm not just saying whatever you think, or whatever you think is solid, or saying the rock of Jesus Christ and, and, and what he has to say about here's life, that you don't stand that ground and you, and you just give in, you, you compromise. It's, you, you live a, a life of, of mediocrity. And God says, you are muddying the waters when you do that. And some, some of us, we can look back and just see in our last month some areas that God would just say, yep, there you go. And I want you just to imagine that instead of being a, just a, a wonder, I want you to think about a water cooler that people are going to. And I just want you to think about because of, because of, because of a lack of trust in God, because of compromise in your life, it's just as if you just you took a bunch of crud and poured it in there closed it back up, and people around you are drinking it. Now, here's the good news. The good news is, is that, that God is that spring that they can drink from, and he, He'll change you uh, even today, right now, uh, to be able to be uh, pure water. We're going to get to that more in a few minutes. Um, Jeremiah 2.13 is, is, uh, is a potent verse talking about our sins. My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Alright? So people have forsaken Jesus, the spring. They've dug their own cisterns. Alright? Cisterns were tanks that they used to collect water. Alright? So the, the sin that's taking place is, is that is not just that they're going and drinking from the wrong fountain, but it means that they're getting collection tanks and they're placing them around their lives and they're filling it up with polluted water. And they keep going back and keep going back and keep going back. And as thirsty as they are, they keep going to the polluted water all the while refusing the clean, clear spring of living water that is God, that is in you or around you. James 3, 8-11 says this, No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour, fo- pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Sometimes I'm, I'm salt water to people. And, and do you remember the last time you're, you're at a beach? You know, and, and uh, you got, maybe you got a, a good cooler of Aquafina or something like that up there. And man, you, you drink it, it's hot and, and, and it tastes so good. But then you're out there swimming and, and a wave hits you just wrong and you, know, you swallow that water. What a contrast, huh? Well, God's just saying, look, examine your life and look to see what kind of water is pouring forth out from you. Is it water that is refreshing to people's real hurt, hurting souls? Or is it a salt water um, that, that just does more damage? It's a lot like my, my dog, Jessie. Um, when, when she stays, and she's a chocolate lab, and she's one of the most spoiled dogs that you'll ever meet because she's an inside dog. Uh, she goes outside every once in a while. If we take her to the dog park, you know, that's, that's downtown, 
Um, man, we'll, we'll take her there, and there's all these dogs. You want to see dogs socialize and all that, and she'll run out, do a quick circle, come back, sit right next to us. She doesn't want to have anything to do with the other dogs. She's not mad at them. She doesn't bark at them or growl or bite or anything like that. She just doesn't want anything to do with them. She just wants to be by us. And uh, so she's uh, alone in the house because she doesn't live outside, so spoiled. And, and uh, so sometimes she will drink all of her bowl of water, and she gets thirsty. And what does she do next? Somebody tell me. She drinks out of the toilet. She goes to the toilet. I mean, stupid dog. You don't drink water out of, out of the toilet. And yet, this is what God is telling us. He's saying, look, you are going to the toilet. I mean, could you imagine, could you imagine having, having about 14 of your closest friends over for this big, you know, you've, you've smoked a, you know, a, a big piece of pork uh, outside and just some of the best baked beans and you got a good salad that somebody brought over, you know, and you got some Milo's tea and you're like, hey, who wants water? <laughs> you know, and about three people do and where do you go? You go, you take the pitcher over to the toilet, bring it over, they never know, right? Would you do that? There's no way we would ever do that. And yet, that is, that is what we do. We go to the wrong sister. We go to the wrong source of water. We not only allow our opinions, our desires, and our worldviews to be affected by the world, we stock up on it. You know what Jesse does is when she drinks out of, out of uh, the toilet, the next thing she wants to do is she wants to lick you in the face, right? right? And it's the same kind of thing. Is that's, that's how we are, man. We'll, we'll drink out of the toilet, and then we... We want to go up to somebody and, and greet them. It's good news, though. God is so good that He gives us living water. Psalm 36. You think you're devoted to your pleasure. He's like, that's not pleasure. I am pleasure. I am the one that has pleasure. Isaiah 41, 17-18 says, when the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make a wil- the wilderness a pool of water and the dry lands springs of water. So God's saying, look, there is a brokenness in humanity that makes you thirsty. And he's saying, guess what? I. And the only provision. I'm the one that can help you. And so God is the one to provide living water, but here's where we get to the crux of it is the beauty is that God is the living water. John 4 uh, is the, the, the story of uh, the Samaritan woman. And I'm not going to get, we don't have time to totally dissect this story, but check this out. He, uh, Jesus asked this Samaritan woman uh, for a drink from the well. Verse 10. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. and The well is, is deep. Where, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. 
Now, that's just talking about it at the soul level because obviously we still have a hunger and a thirst for God and that we press in, but just at the level of ultimate fulfillment. He's got, he says, look, you will need to go nowhere else. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. I mean, that needs to be our heart today. We need to say, Jesus, give me this water that I may never have to thirst again, that I may never have to go anywhere else. And that's for, for any of you who are in here, that you're our friends that have never come to a place of surrender to Jesus Christ, to come to that place that you say, Sir, Give me this living water. Now, those of you guys who are my friends that are Christians, you're my brothers and my sisters, we're family together. You need to know that God has given you that living water, which is Jesus. Now, the next part of the, of the request is where we need to plug in. When you say, may I thirst for no other water? May I go nowhere else? May I, may I look at my broken cistern where it's... There's been polluted water in it, and may we take the sledgehammer out and every, call everybody in and say, everybody take a look at this cistern. Everybody come in. This is my cistern. I want everybody to help me bash it. That's what community is. That's what it means to be a church, to be Christians together, is, is there's a confession to that. You know, we, we had some times yesterday in our, our, our uh, leadership training where just people were confessing some some wonderful things about, you know what, man, this is where I'm screwing up. This is where I'm focusing on me. This is where I'm um, isolated or I'm not engaging. And, and to, to know that, um, that, that basically we're just saying, all right, everybody, hey, here, here, I want you to see my cistern. Now everybody gather around and everybody kick this thing in. And when you see me start to rebuild it, call me out. Call me out. But uh, God is not only our refreshment, and uh, that's an old word, isn't it? You remember, uh, I mean, I remember growing up, you know, you'd go you, in kindergarten or even in, in Sunday school settings, you had a time when you had refreshments. And I don't know where the word went. I don't know if it's just, if people still use it or not. I don't, I don't hear it very much, but I think it's a pretty cool word when you think about it. Of refresh, that you, the whole idea is it will refresh you. It will revitalize you. And so uh, maybe we need to bring that word back. Um, but God not only is our refreshment, but guys, listen to this. He has the power and the ability to make you refreshment to others. Check this out. John 7, 37-39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You guys just say this. Say, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, that, that's Jesus saying that. That's not my opinion. That's not somebody else's opinion. He's saying that, look, if God comes and he transforms your life, if he makes you a Christian, then what he does is he puts, he puts the, the head of, of, of a waterway of a river inside of you that can pour out from you and can immerse and flood the people that are around you. And is anybody just like, man, that sounds incredible to me, but yet you know, and, and I know that there's just times in our lives it's just like, you know what, Dave, I, I, I just, 
I, I, look at, I, look at the, I look at the river of water that's coming out of me and it looks like a dry creek bed. And it's because we don't believe what God has really said. We believe what we think about ourselves. We believe an old dead heart that God has put away and He's unchained us from. And what we've got to do, and we talked about this last week, is we've got to trust that God has given us a new heart. We talked all about how God, God, uh, God loves our praise. He invites us to praise Him and to worship Him. And many times we don't. We read these psalms about these people. They're just like, God, you're my greatest desire. There's nothing that I want. And we just say, but God, I, I, that's not where I am. I don't really feel it. And what we talked about, and this is huge, huge, and some of us still need to unpack this more, is to know that you are thinking about your old, dead heart. But what God has done is He has given you a new heart, that that heart desires God above everything else. So when you look, you look at the track record, and just like, I don't love God. You look, you look at where you've been and what things have looked like, and you're just like, well, man, I obviously don't have a passion from God. You need to rebuke your own flesh and say, you know what? That is not the heart that God gave me. That's the old heart. That's the dead self. That's the flesh, uh, which is what Scripture talks about, that part of our, ourselves. And rather to be able to say, but no, God, what you've done in me is good. And what you've birthed within me loves you and desires you. And as, as, a, as a deer pants for water, so my heart pants for you, so I pant for you, God. Uh, that is what your heart is inside of you. And you need to preach to yourself. You need to teach yourself. You need to change your mind. Stop believing the lies about how you used to be and believe what God has done and started within you. Because guess what? When heaven comes, it will be completed. And, and, and that heart will be fully realized and there will be no other dead heart. There will be no other dead mind. No more flesh. It will only be that. But you don't have to wait. God's giving you that heart even right now. Out of that heart flows rivers of living water. So what that means is, is, is that when we step in the flesh, when we're selfish, that we put up a dam around the heart that God has given us. And we stop the flow that could go out to other, to other people. Isaiah 58, 11 talks more about how this compassion and justice can flow to other people. 58.11, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water who waters, whose waters do not fail. Now listen, before, but, I mean, because we want to hit to this next part. It says, you'll be like a spring of water who waters do not fail. There is a fountain that is within you, in the heart that God placed within you, that is fully able to immerse you and flood the people that are around you. Fully able. Now look, look at what some of the things are that takes place when we live in this. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. This means that God will use you to bring redemption around you. He'll use you to bring healing around you. You've got to believe. It takes tremendous faith to be able to say, God, I, I choose to believe that that's what you can do within me rather than believing what I can do. Because if you live in what you can do, 
you will not be a person that brings healing around you because you're trying in your own strength. So surrender. Just say, God, you're the one. Flow out from me. It's not so hard to believe that God can refresh people, but one of the greatest miracles of all is to take a person made of dry sand and transform them into a fountain. I want you to know, Christians, listen to me. You have a fountain in you. There are springs of living water that are in you. And and today's the day to, to bust the dam and say, no more. I refuse the lies. And say, God, I want to be immersed by the heart that you placed in me that you're connected with so that I can have communion at a deeper level and that it can bring refreshment to those that are around you. So one of the challenges for you is, um, man, as you see see this water down here, you see this spring, um, you see the fountain that's there. When, when you see, when next time you go and drink some water from a water fountain, I want you to be reminded that God is a fountain first and foremost. But He's made it to where you can be used as a miracle to bring blessing to others. Now we get a picture of the end. Revelation 21, 5-6. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life. What's the last two words? Without payment. Without payment. So God has all of this within Himself. And, and, and my prayer is, I, I hope that there's, there's a, a friend or two in here that, man, you, you know, you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ. And that you would know that for the hope of this and the, the spring of life that, that God can be and bring into, into other people's lives, and, and you say, yeah, pick me, and I, I, I want that, that you'd know, first of all, you can't pay for it. You can't earn it. Jesus paid for it. Jesus earned it, and it's a gift that he gives to you. And I just say, just today, just be in an open posture, just say, I receive. I refuse to try to work for it anymore. I, tr- I refuse to try to do it myself. All of us, we need to refuse to dig our own cisterns anymore. Let's declare what Psalm 87 says, 87.7 said, that the singers and dancers alike we say, all my springs are in you. All my fountains are in you. That we say, God, all the places of all the places that there are for me to drink, I only have one source. That's you. You're the only one that I want to go to, God. We need to say, like the Samaritan woman, Jesus, give me this water. Or we need to say, God, help me. Help me now to, to follow you. And God says in response to all of this, says, look, I've come and I'm giving you me. I'm giving you me. So I, I invite you today that you'd, you'd come to Jesus. Every one of you. Not just, not just unbelievers and non-Christians. All of us. Come to Jesus. Come in just a few minutes to, to the communion table. Uh, let me just let me speak to you from um, an old hymn 
uh, written by William Cowper at the end of the 18th century that uses some of this, some of the metaphors that we've been talking about. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. So as we take communion, you guys who are Christians today, as we take the Eucharist, the Lord's Lord's Supper today, um, and the way we do it here is we take the bread and and we use what's called intinction. You can dip it either in juice or wine that's over there. But I want you to to think, and as, as you see, as you see that juice or that wine, as you see it fill up, that broken piece of bread. I want you to think that there is a fountain that's filled with blood that's drawn from Jesus' veins. And that it's that blood and that blood only that brings healing. That that blood only is is what can take, take the brokenness of who you are like that bread. And you'll be immersed in the grace and the mercy that is that blood. God, uh, Help us today to respond to you, Lord. For any, uh, any of our, our friends that uh, have never come to a place of, of surrender, may today be the day. And, and during this communion time, Father, if they're not a follower of Christ, may they come grab me or another, another leader, God, and, and to, to pray or to talk. And, and Lord, we make ourselves available during this time uh, to, to anyone uh, that, that just wants to find out more about who you are or to discuss what's going on in, in their life and worldview, God. We just pray, Father, you'll bless this time as we respond to you. That, Lord, we know that you're not that bread and you're not that, that wine, but Lord, it's more than just bread and wine. Jesus, we know that you're, you're a part of this and there's something very powerful, something mystical and supernatural uh, that when we proclaim your death, your burial, your resurrection, God, through the, through the taking of the bread and the wine, Lord, that, that you work within us, Father. and you do, you do surgery within us, Father. Lord, help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.